I don't really know, but I'm for Bands of Turtle Island, another member of the Red Nation, Red Media podcast family. Zicato on online formats because I live near Nazis that try to start compounds. Oh my God. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about Star Wars today because we figured a lot more media analysis would be more fun. So Star Wars, what we all love Star Wars here. Uh, some of us only like certain movies. Some of us like more of them other than others. So how about we all introduce ourselves and our nations and everything. And uh, I'm Oglala Lakota. How about we introduce ourselves and maybe our favorite Star Wars movie? That's a good one. Mine's Rogue One, actually. That's my favorite Star Wars. Movie. Uh, I'll go. For, I'll go. Uh, my name's Enoch Enwoyer. I'm Navajo Oneida. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Honestly, I love all the films. I'm one of those guys that like no film can do me. Well, Solo. Solo kind of. I love Solo too. I don't know. I love them all. I'm like, no wrong. As long as it is Star Wars in the name, they got my money. But, <laughs> but my favorite Star Wars movie is like a toss up between Return of the Jedi and The Last Jedi, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. My name's Elena. Um, okay, Winge, living in Ogapoge, otherwise known as Santa Fe. Um, I'm OG. So I was actually the age of the predominant demographic who fell in love with these films in 1977. Uh, The first Star Wars came out when I was 12. And um, I say the first as in they renamed it The New Hope, but for me it was always the first Star Wars movie. I love the first three. I dislike intensely the three that came after. And um, the ones that have come out in this millennium, I'm, I'm okay with. Um, Solo was not my favorite, but I loved um, Rogue One also. I liked, um, yeah, I liked most of them. Just don't like the, the pre- what they call the prequels. It was Jar Jar Binks, wasn't it? <laughs> it, it, was, it was actually all of them. I mean, the acting was so poor and... Like th- those of us who grew up with the with the first three, like were really anticipating a story around what created Darth Vader, and instead of like this journey from being a Padawan to like becoming the master of all evil, we got this whiny little brat who. <laughs> And in a in a relationship which was like to me really inappropriate to begin with, but also like no one believed it. How yeah. could you believe that they actually like cared about one another, much less had children? Um, it was just yeah, it was it was bad. These are all the reasons I love the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because all the books like tackle those issues and then like tackle like more in-depth lines that the movie doesn't even cover. So if you're like really into literature, I you gotta read the Star yeah. Wars theory. <laughs> read the Star Wars books. Well, I guess I'm the last person on this, but like uh Biate, Shay Demetrius Johnson, Dushajine, Twitchini initially I'll just sit on Hello, my name is Demetrius. I'm originally from Ganado, Arizona, but I'm here in Tiwa territory in Albuquerque. So I I grew up with the with the with the prequels. I think Phantom Menace came out when I was like five or six. 
And so, like, when you're, like, at that age, like, you just love Jar Jar Binks. Like, you just love just, like, <laughs> lightsabers. Like, you, you're just you're just introduced into the Star Wars universe that way. So, like, the, the, the prequels will always have, like, a special place in my heart. <laughs> um, but the, the sequels can... can those are those are for the birds like those can those can get trashed and i wouldn't care like i hope they retcon the whole series like it's just it's just not good like i'm on that fence i will die on that hill but yeah rogue one is also like one of my personal favorites too see uh, I, also, I personally oh go on in it no, no no i was just gonna say uh technically a sequel <laughs> <laughs> technically a sequel <laughs> So we all liked Rogue One. What did we like about Rogue One? I personally liked like the sort of guerrilla aspect of it and how it like was a more radical take on the rebels. You know, and I also liked how they sort of like they um encapsulated a factionalism you don't usually get to hear about unless you like watch or like read the expanded like expanded stuff. Like who I don't know too many people who've taken the time to watch all the animated series. But, like, <laughs> I have. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> Most normal people who are adults yeah, are right, going to exactly. sit there and watch a children's exactly. cartoon. Yeah, so. yeah. No, no, I hear that. I hear that. You know, like, I, I think it's really cool how they, like, get Sagarera in there, who is based off Che Guevara, you know, and, like, they try to paint him as, like, oh, he's actually a really bad person, but then you just sort of, like, you're, like, watching and you go, is he, though? But is he, though? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, um, Rogue One, I think it hits, like, uh, a tender spot because of, like, the story of the oppressed. I think, like, for me, I was really into Rogue One. I even read, like, the books for Battlefront. And then, like you said, the animated series. So, like, beginning his inception within Clone Wars and then kind of his continuing-ish arc in Rebels. But then, like, having that culminated into the larger struggle of, like, in Rogue One, that that kind of, like, peak moment of, like, the Empire has this new weapon. What are we going to do? And then, the, like, the infighting of all the, like, the oppressed systems, to me, like, really rang a bell of, like, just tribal politics or even to, like, a lower level, like, people who are trying to fight for like i don't want to say liberty but like liberation for indigenous people like it like we should do it this way oh no we shouldn't do that way like even sagrera's character like he was of the notion of like taking no uh, malarkey or whatever malarkey <laughs> <laughs> like like taking taking no for not an answer and and then you had um i forget uh the 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 senator's name um the senator the lady with red hair and she's She's like basically later moff no it's not moff yeah right that's what i was thinking like moff but it's like it starts with the m starts with the m anyways but like in my opinion like saw guerrero was like achieve it because we need it and then the the senator lady was like, let's try to do this diplomatically. Let's try to, you know, go through the systems, go through the. But then even in like the anime series, like there was a point where she saw that the systems couldn't be like, 
so-called manipulated or worked through and she even broke off from from her position so but that's kind of like like in a nutshell like how i felt about like rogue one so i liked rogue one because it was it was actually kind of a prequel um but it it was also very much it was dark i think that played into well of course it played into the time when it was released um, which was a much darker time. I think the seventies and the early eighties were a different time, different decade, um, totally different world uh, than when Rogue One came out. But if you if you look at um, the the difference between, say, A New Hope and Rogue One, A New Hope was like a fairy tale, and Rogue One was like everybody dies, or at least everybody that you liked. Um, and it set the stage for a new hope, which if you were to watch them back to back would really be awful because, uh, one is like, you know, fluff and the other is, is very noir, but it's interesting. Enoch, I think you said something about, uh, sort of the last, the last stand and, and, uh, I felt that same way about rogue one. Like it was almost like the, the uh the end battle to to um of all battles except it really wasn't because you start all over with with uh um a new hope which was interesting in when i was a kid i i loved it because i thought um it was classic cowboys and indians and um the the rebels were were the indians which i related to and there were things in it that resonated with me like the respect for elders, um, with, with, uh, Obi-Wan. And, um, there's a scene in the Millennium Falcon where, where, um, Alderaan is just blown up and, and, uh, Obi-Wan is trying to, or maybe he hasn't blown up. Um, Obi-Wan is trying to teach Luke how to, um, fight the, um, that little ball thing, the droid thing. Yeah. And, Han Solo comes in and says something about hokey religions and ancient weapons won't um, won't help you. There's no, no substitute for a good blaster at your side, something like that. And to me, hokey religions and ancient weapons like that also resonated as native, um, as a native person that resonated to me. But as I got older and rewatched all those movies, both with my kids and then to see them all in a series, I realized like also... Um, the rebels and the empire were just two sides of the same coin. They're both settler colonists. And um, if you look at the movies, particularly the new hope, that first trilogy, it's all about colonizing planets from Tantooine um, with the moisture farmers, which Luke's um, uncle and aunt were moisture farmers. And the indigenous people really aren't like Han Solo and Luke and Leia and the Jedi. They're like the yeah. Jawas and the, the Sand People, the Tusken Raiders. Those are actually the indigenous people, just like the Ewoks, but the Ewoks are a little cuter. Those are the indigenous people, and everybody in those movies is colonizing. They're, they're, everybody are settlers, except uh, the Gungan um, and the Jawas and the Sand People. And um, so looking at it in a more... Um, analytical critical light 
it's it's a different if it's a whole different series. Uh, D, did you want to go any more into the Rogue One, or I'd really like to go more onto that topic? Right yeah, there. <laughs> let's do it. All I was gonna say about Rogue One is that rebellions are built on hope, and like that, that gets every single time. That's like the best soundbite, though. <laughs> Um, so like you made a great point there as like, uh, oftentimes you can like watch these and you can take like little pieces from like the settler, uh, analog, if you will. Uh, and from the settler analog, you take these pieces that resemble indigenous like ideas, like respecting elders and stuff. And I think a lot of that is that George Lucas was aware while writing it and it was trying to give culture to the settlers. So you felt more, um sympathetic towards them i guess if you will because uh, i mean like even with the mandalorians you have a similar phenomenon now to where like if you think about the just in the idea of lore inside the show they were a empire that then got reduced to a few planets because of a different force coming in and then all of a sudden now they're a diaspora and they don't even have their own planet you know and so now we got to start asking ourselves like interesting questions, like just from a historical pre- like perspective, like uh, the Lakota driving out Pawnee. Like how how do you view that? Is that an invading force, or is that they're like an okay um, analog? Because like in that case, it was uh, resistance against um, taking us as human sacrifices. Which <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're in the right with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's these weird nuances that you can really look at. And at least with the fantasy, well, science fiction genre, we can at least talk about it without it being offensive towards anybody. <laughs> you know? No, I'll say I it. mean, it's, it's science, uh, science fantasy. Science fantasy. It really is. I mean, because it does have that uh, mystical aspect to it, really. Yeah. The sorcerers. And I, that's sort of what I enjoyed about Star Wars is that it has more of a philosophical nature to it rather than um like metropolis and stuff like that like those are cool science fiction stuff but it seems too analytical yeah yeah yeah. i it's 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 funny that um we're bringing up like the the more critical aspect because like um even though i do not like season one of clone wars one of the very last ass uh, episodes they talk about uh one of the the planets in the Republic, Pandora, and how it has sovereign over its moon, but its moon has indigenous people. And so in through this throw this whole episode, you know, the uh, Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan, they think they're taking out a separatist outpost, but here they're expanding Pandora's quote unquote sovereign rule over their own moon. And yet the indigenous inhabitants we're there like saying like, no, you're not. This is our own, you know, our own people, our own planet, our own nation. And I think like that's kind of like always like riddled within Star Wars is this whole like the indigenous people. Like uh, we, we touched on with the Tuscan, the Tuscan Raiders or the Sand People, like even in Legends, like the only indigenous people that Tatooine are the Sand People. Like even the Jawas are like you know settler people and so like it's it's kind of funny because it's like it plays into a rate a, a larger role of like colonial states fighting each other like you were just kind of uh, uh alluding to 
but like when it when i kind of like brings it back home is like that whole mystical aspect that philosophical aspect that that the idea of like an energy of binding everything so like that kind of brings it down to me but yeah i i totally can see the the critique of like you know um should we bring back the republic should it be like a new republic like what what are what are the 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 pros and cons of that like even um the, the there's this book called bloodlines like even when they started the new republic they had empire sympathizers within their new republic and they were like was the empire that bad and it's kind of like to me like mirroring to like now like you know was america ever great can we make america ever america ever great so that's kind of like my kind of like spiel on it or like my my side on it so that kind of like makes me think of like how in west germany uh they still had a bunch of nazis like running the government oh my god (laughs) yeah it's yeah, not I was much actually, of a difference. Yeah, well, I was watching this uh, Netflix series called uh, Operation Finale and um, kind of opened my eyes of, like, how many Germans left to Arge- uh, Argentina. And they had such a great holding that they, like, they had people in the police, people in political positions to the point where, like, they operate as, like, almost like a, a shadow government, almost. And that to me is like crazy because like, again, bring it back to Star Wars, like after, after the rebellion, after trying to re re quote unquote, rebuild the Republic, you still had people who are like empire sympathizers. And the one that always gets me is the guy who collected empire, uh, quote unquote, memorabilia or like empire uh, souvenirs. So he would like, he would like collect the 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 empire medals the helmets like anything to deal with the empire this this one senator would collect it and princess leia had to sit in this room and this guy was just like putting it in her face of like all the empire stuff when like you know her whole planet was like decimated well the empire aesthetic is really nazi germany but but i think in at least in in a new hope even though the aesthetic is Nazi Germany, the empire aesthetic is Nazi Germany. Um, I think that a new hope is basically the retelling of the myth of America and the creation of this, this settler state, um, this colonial project that is America. It's interesting. Also, if you look at throughout the, throughout the whole film series, I'm not talking about the, the, um, cartoons or the or the books, but throughout the film series, also the the way it's constructed, each planet is actually its own ecosystem, which is kind of bizarre. Like you have Tatooine, which is is actually a planet, but it's completely desert, and then you have um, you have uh, Dagobah, which is an entire planet made of swamps, and um, the ice planet Hoth. So. Each one of those in in the films is actually a planet, but really they are continents within this planet. And so they're actually creating this sort of monomyth of of, um, settler colonialism 
um, and using different planets rather than different nations to tell the story. I'm not sure that was entirely intentional on George Lucas's part, but that's definitely how it reads. It actually, as a metaphor, it, it, it allows the narrator or Lucas or whoever produced the films um, after him to essentially retell stories from an imperialist perspective. And um, that dives deep into sort of the, the myth of America and cowboys and Indians. And even though the aesthetic may be different, it really is a myth of America. Well, that's interesting because, like, the movie comes out like right around when Reagan's talking about the Star Wars program, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I'd be willing to wonder how much like state funding went behind that, just considering like at that time there was a lot of uh, money going into movies for some reason. Like that's why people are always like Kubrick faked the moon landing because like, <laughs> NASA made him a movie lens. It wasn't about that they're faking the moon landing. It was that they're making a propaganda movie saying that America is going to do this in 2001. And it's like, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, arguably, you can even look at, like, the obelisk, like, just straying off into sci-fi now, but uh, the obelisk in 2001 and, like, all the monkeys around there, like, that's, like, a racial analogy where they're like, oh, yeah, these simple people are going to be amazed by us and our capabilities. And that the Russians that are insert third world country here, their communists will never be able to amount to this. But it's funny you guys bring that up because like, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but like uh, James Cameron did an interview with George Lucas and they're talking about the themes of Star Wars and specifically like how, you know, the Empire, basically like spoilers in the interview, George Lucas admits that the Empire is America. And that it was more of an anti-war movie than it was about, like, you know, uh, a boy finding a wizard and learning magical powers. You did something very interesting with Star Wars, if you think about it. The good guys are the rebels. They're using asymmetric warfare against a highly organized empire. I think we call those guys terrorists today. We call them Mujahideen. We call them Al-Qaeda. When I did it, they were Viet Cong. Exactly. So were you thinking of that at the time? So it was a very anti-authoritarian, very kind of 60s, against the man kind of thing, nested deep inside a a fantasy. Or a colonial, you know, we're fighting the largest empire in the world. Right. And we're just a bunch of hayseeds in coonskin hats that don't know nothing. That's right. And it was the same thing with the Vietnamese. Yep. The irony of that one is in in both of those, the the little guys won. Right. And the big, highly technical empire... The, the English Empire. Right? English the Empire, empire. the American Empire, yeah. lost. Yeah. That was the whole point. But that's a classic us not profiting from the lesson of history because you look at the inception of this country and it's very it's a very noble fight of the underdog against the massive empire. You look at the situation now where America is so proud of being the biggest economy, the most powerful military force on the planet, it's become the empire in the from the perspective well, of a lot of people around the world. It was the empire during the Vietnam War. And what we never learned, you know, from England or Rome or, you know, a dozen other Empires, Empires that fall. went on for hundreds of years or yeah. sometimes thousands of years. We never got it. We right. never said, well, wait, 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 wait. This isn't the right thing to do. And we're still struggling with it. And they fall because of failure of leadership or, or, or government often. And Mostly you, know, it's- you have a great line 
which is, th so this is how liberty dies. To We're thund in the middle of it right now. To thunderous applause. Exactly. It's the po it's, it was a condemnation of populism in a science fiction context. That's a theme that runs all the way through Star Wars. Yeah. I think science fiction is so good at these kind of social themes. Yeah, the great thing about Star Wars is I had a, a thing, I mean a, a, a vessel, that I could throw anything into. Yeah. But one of the biggest problems you have in science fiction with movies, they don't have it in books or anything, but in movies, you have to create a real world. Yeah. And it's a real world that doesn't exist. Yeah. And you have to do what I, what Kurosawa used to say is, it has to have immaculate reality. Yeah. Even though it's not real. I like real. that term. Yeah. But I think it also ties into like the 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 myth of America, like uh, having all these you know different uh, biome planets, but then also trying to like strive for you know like i like i was alluding to in, the, in, in what i was just saying like let's try to bring back the republic when in reality was the republic what we needed or is it something different that we needed and you know we don't even like mandalorian kind of tackled it but like the settlers on tattooing like disre disregard the the tuscan raiders like from the video games, from the comic books, from the books, like everyone just hates the Tuscan Raiders. And it's because of how how ferocious they will fight for their own territory. And I think that's something that like gets sprinkled in into Star Wars, but is always like served to like preserve, like, you know, oh, but you're okay where you're at. You know, you're you're in occupied territory, but you're okay where you're at. I think the one that kind of touches on the most is like the last Jedi. And to me, the reason why it got so much hate um, for a lot of reasons, but one specific reason is a lot of people don't like the casino scene or the casino storyline. And a lot of people are like, that was trash. It had nothing to do with the plot. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe they had valid points, but to me, I think it was, you know, settlers looking at what, their whole society is based on you know ravishing of other like uh, disenfranchised impoverished people in order to gain their own like wealth power quote-unquote power and even like in the scenes where they talk about you know these are arms dealers they, they sell to the good and the bad guys like you know I'm, Raytheon much? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Raytheon much, and I'm just like, I to me, that's why I think they get more more flack than like any other Star Wars movies is because it holds up that mirror of like, this is what you're doing. It doesn't look pretty, but you need to come to terms with it. And people are like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, like when I when I watch like the Mandalorian, but also like the last season of the Clone Wars animated. Like it really touched on like how like the like even like the Republic, but also like the rebels. Like there's there's always like a darker side to everything. Like you're always rooting for like the rebels. You're always rooting for like the good guys. But then when you look at the good guys, like they're not really so much different than the Empire. It's just like a it's just like a new coat of paint or like a prettier coat of paint. Um, because the one thing that that really like um, I think it was in the Mandalorian, but they talked about like slavery. Or like how like um, the empire kind of really like um, did away with that and like kind of um, established like order and like allowed like these other planets that might have like been excluded from 
um trading or like even like within like the whole like system of like being included um the the empire kind of established that as with like when when the empire got um overthrown and the rebellion um prevailed like they kind of forgot about those planets or like they didn't really have like a system in place to like help those people and so like no matter like what like there's like always people that were getting hurt but also like there wasn't really like a plan established and so like that's what i always think about too is like i guess like when we are doing like our work within the red nation or even just like people that talk about like liberation is like okay but do we have like plans in place to protect people because like you can be against something but like what are but like what are you for like what are you also building on top of that um but yeah that's something i always like thought about too i don't mean to be a conversation hog but like kind of build off what d said is like because within the the whole like ser- like even in clone wars like the the republic tolerated or at least like it looked it it turned its eye on slavery in the outer rims and the outer rims is to me kind of like you know code for uh country like third world countries you know uh, to say that slavery is like totally abolished or it doesn't exist is a lie because it exists in like very almost intricate forms because you have uh anakin skywalker going to that planet with a bunch of like slave traders but then even after you know the 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 fall of the empire you still had facets of like the outer rim being controlled by warlords and even being controlled by former like empire you know governors and so like as my my kind of like my my favorite scene is when uh the 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 guy in mandalorian is all did you find peace after your revolution at least we brought order. But then Werner Herzog. Yeah, there you go. But even then, that's like nuanced into like this idea of like make America great again. Like, oh, look at all this. Ca-. Like, that's one thing I hear about even with the the stupid uh, Dr. Seuss argument is like, look at cancel culture. Look at all this chaos. Look at everything that that the quote unquote the, the left has brought into America. Let's bring it back to the good old days. And yet they, they, they just skipped the part where, you know, natives couldn't even open up a bank account unless they had a white quote unquote guardian to look over their shoulder or, you know, uh, you know, black people didn't have the right to like sit within the same room as a white person. Like those are things that are just like, to me are, are code for like, look at, look at all the divided power let's go back to when we were on top and to me like star wars kind of puts that into like a nice package of like you know let's all love each other let's all be inclusive but you know let's let's remember america is still you know the the democracy at its core it's still it's still a thing guys let's let's make it a thing let's 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 force it on you at least that's kind of like how i've come to view it but like even star wars i've like i kind of have that in my back of my mind but i still just like resonate with the with the quote-unquote like philosophy or the spiritual aspect of it because that's the one thing that like like kind of helped me in my childhood but i i definitely think like you know star wars does have its uh much needed critiques 
What, what I have a question. So why did every everyone celebrate when in the last episode of The Mandalorian when Luke came and took Grogu from Mando? Like, right. I was like, that's a boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you say that because I think it was this like uh I think it again, it plays into The Last Jedi. This is the height of uh, Luke Skywalker's ego. He thinks he's the end-all, be-all. He thinks he's the, the the one. He's the chosen one. And so, of course, he should be the one that like teaches Grogu. But then he has ben, the fall of Ben Solo, and he possibly, possibly has the death of Grogu. I'm not going to put that, or I already put it out there, but like that's the one things where like it broke him down. And I think that's like such an, a, a correct way of putting it. Cause like, I didn't even think about it until you said it, but I think that is an accurate way because like, <laughs> Oh my God, it's all here. Magical stranger. Take my magical child. <laughs> but I think about Mando. So uh, when you were talking about the Tusken Raiders and, I always identified the Tusken Raiders, the Sand People, as indigenous. And Mando is actually the one who, when they're, I forget which episode it is, but they're trying to kill the giant worms. And he actually forms a coalition with the Sand People to destroy the worms. And um, like that kind of coalition building, um, as Demetrius pointed out, like, what, what do we do in the Red Nation? Um, we're trying to build coalitions. We're trying to raise an army. And um, so Mando is actually more of a revolutionary character. And he is taking this this child, this being, and protecting it. And as sort of the last of a warrior race, he's dedicated his life to this child and 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 really sacrifices a lot. And boom, the white guy comes in and, oh, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, And so it's actually a classic analogy, like the, because it's a samurai movie, right? That's like the whole idea of the Mandalorian, which uh, often had influences from our Westerns and they feed into each other right there. And it's because Japan was a empire, you know, we're an empire. It's a natural cultural crossing right there with our, lone ranger types you know <laughs> going around kidnapping their tontos and riding around on horses with them making them be their little sidekicks it, like I, I really see grogu as a great analogy for how like natives are often depicted in uh, uh just western media and then like just imperial media really it's also funny too because like <laughs> grogu like right when he came out like i just feel like all these like indigenous memers and stuff like an artist just like adopted grogu just like started putting him in like cradle boards and like little like coffee mugs and just like wrapped around like in a pendleton blanket like like yeah like grogu grogu is like an indigenous child like he's 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 our, he's our sunny boy well i i think uh in this series like i think that was kind of the intent of like framing grogu as like or the jedi as like a people like mando was like i need to take him to his people but i think the thing that probably was like disillusioned or maybe they just didn't want to like you know delve into that story is like 
bring him back to his actual people. Because to me, it feels like, you know, you know, being someone who's like from the same uh, species or race as Yoda, like they're probably acute to the force. They might because like one thing about like an extended universe of Star Wars, the Jedi is one sect of studying the force there are so many facets and so many people that have their own version that have their own like way of understanding the force so i think like uh, to me i think it just sets up to like you know the arrogance of of luke skywalker like you know breaking down the myth of luke skywalker like even though it was such a great moment such a great lightsaber scene action pack i think it's more setting up to like make the last jedi more impactful to when he says that the jedi must end you know i thought i was really great and you know turns out i wasn't i took a kid and now i can't i don't know what happened to that kid <laughs> i hope the goes that direction that'd be yeah great. yeah that would be cool that would be cool um so i guess since uh we got into the mandalorian huh let's jump back to the trilogy um the original i think there's a lot of interesting like like you look at like uh, the Ewoks, for example. That's one of my favorite ones. They were supposed to be uh, like a depiction of the Viet Cong, um, but I think like this kind of goes into this episode I recently did on my show uh, for Deadliest Warrior. But like, there's this often idea that like the Viet Cong just have the most simplistic weapon, <laughs> and like yeah. the Ewoks get depicted like destroying tanks with logs. And it's like, that's cool and all, and shows their ingenuity and stuff. But I think a lot of it, like, plays a little too much into the primitiveness. <laughs> like, uh, especially, like, making them teddy bears that look helpless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of weird visuals in there that, that get challenged by the results. But then you kind of you get this implication that it was the white saviors that helped yeah. do it. You know, if it wasn't for the rebels coming... The Ewoks just would have, and I don't even like. <laughs> was the Empire bothering the Ewoks? <laughs> I don't really know what was happening there. It kind of just seemed like the white people came and used them as a proxy, like a force yeah. them to join in on the war. You know, I think like uh, it's it's funny because like uh, again they address this in the books where like the Empire cuts corner. Like it's, you know, a capitalist state. So it wants profit. It wants volume and profit. So it like cuts corners in all of its materials. That's why like you can't see out of the helmets, the, the armor, one shot and you're dead. You know, logs hit a metal tank and it collapsed into each other because the Empire just didn't want to spare, spare the extra change. But I think like uh, the Ewoks, like... I I did think it was a little cheap when like for them to be a part of the conflict they believe C3PO to be their divine yeah god yeah oh golden god. Well, and then they eat the stormtroopers afterwards and make them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah definitely definitely not the best moments but like I think it's just something I'll just have to come to terms with <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do like the uh, the framing of a coalition being built, like with the Mandalorian. I think it's season two, episode one. I want to say I think that might be the first one, but yeah, the yeah. worm, the crate dragon, or whatever, the worm. Uh, like, I I like that idea where, uh, because Mandalor the Mando does seem like he's coming from it from a different 
perspective from everybody else because in that episode like they um how does he he come they come across the pack right and then like he's able to like start talking as a tuscan like whatever the tuscan yeah. would just call and then they come out and like that's when they strike the deal i thought that was like really awesome and then like how they're traveling and um Cobb Vance, I want to say is his name. Yeah, I think it was name. Stupid name, but <laughs> he, he, he's Cobb like, salad. what am I supposed to do with this? Like, drink <laughs> it. And, like, then he starts pissing them, like, he pisses them off and then gets mad at them for being pissed off. Right, right. It, like It really <laughs> exemplifies their psychology. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, what's cool about that whole ordeal is, like, the Tuscan Raiders still on came on top because like the, they got the pearl pearl. and then all that me. And then even basically a crate dragon, everything about it is just valuable. The bones, the meats, like all of it, even the pearl. So I think like, they're like, you know what? You may settle that part of our land, but we're going to get this little literal pearl. (laughs) I have I have one more thing to say if that's cool. No, yeah, let's round um, it out. <laughs> it's again, it's like going back to the Mandalorian. I feel like this mostly has been like a Mandalorian talk, but like <laughs> it does bring up like a whole bunch of cool stuff, like um, um uh, the the Death Watch and also like the 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 true the true Mandalorians and like how like that can like even like go into like toxic traditionalism or like even like quantum and stuff like that oh no well i think i think that's like like an interesting point because like um kind of going back to pre like what was previous brought up is like with uh tribes fighting other tribes like this old that old rhetoric like oh you were bloodless people you took land from this tribe and you took land from the other tribe like the mandalorians when it first started out it was like an expansive empire they were taking over planets because that was their way the weak don't get to have what the strong deserve and so that's when the jedi came in is like whoa pump your brakes you need to stop this and then the mandalorians like no and so they had the mandalorian wars and then you had the fractionization and then you had the empire come or the republic to come in then they turn the empire and then they're even more fractalized like what you said like they become more of a like a a diaspora of people with no quote-unquote land and to me i think what was cool is like showing that avenue of being part of community or a nation and not having that whole like you have to be a descendant because that's something like when i grew up that was like i think that was like embedded into me because of like blood quantum like full blood half blood all those like you know fractionization but then as i grew up and I started listening to like the old stories. You start hearing about like no, it, yeah, family has to do a thing about it, or like who your who your parents are, or where you're born from. But it also is like how you live your life. You know, you could be uh, a full blooded Navajo, but you can still be not Navajo, <laughs> Lizer. And. <laughs> 
And you can be someone who wasn't born from Navajo families, but like earn that place of being Navajo. Not saying it's like something like, oh, I came in and did ceremonial stuff, make me Navajo. Like you have to truly like live that life. I guess kind of like uh, 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 Din Jin Jar. That's his name. I think this is his name. Din Djarin? Din Djarin. Like, that's kind of like, like, he was not born within the Mandalorian, but because of, like, his dedication and, you know, the way he wants to live it, that's, like, puts his place in the culture. But even then, I think D touched an itchy point of, like, they're part of the sect that's, like, ultra traditional. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, wait a minute, because I think Bo-Katan puts him in his place. Yeah, Bo-Katan, I'm sorry, she's going to say, yo, dude, back off that fucking tux- toxic traditionalism and get your ass straight. So it's the women <laughs> from Bo-Katan and Shokatano. Yeah, that once they appeared, you knew everything was going to be okay. <laughs> if she'd have been on the ship, Luke Skywalker never would have gotten the baby. Mm, think about that no it i i like i said it's it's like coming to terms (laughs) because like if we do if we do look at like uh bo-katan and like her character i think like if if her mind wasn't like grabbing the black saber she would be like, "Don't give it to this 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 guy who just came in on an X wing. Like, you know, that's a foundling." But I think because she was so fixated on the black saber and what it means in like to her as as being a leader, like I think that's why she was just like, uh, "Everyone else is just like white noise." But... So, I think that's a good place to end. I guess. Uh, don't be toxically traditional. Like don't 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 be a liberal. Don't be a liberal. Yeah, don't be a liberal. And most of all, don't be a white savior like Han Solo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for listening to this. But I hope you all enjoyed listening and uh, check out the Red Media Patreon to support stuff more stuff like this. Anybody have any goodbyes? Uh, rebellions are built on hope. Mm. May the force be with you. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There go. <laughs> all right, Tokshan, thank you all for listening.